All right. Good afternoon. This is uh, Rich Nowak, uh, CEO of OpEx Technologies, and we're back tech casting with OpEx. Um, super excited, as I always am. We have access to phenomenal guests, and we got another one today, and he's local, which is always fun. But we've got Devin Williams, who's VP of Strategy with uh, CNSG. And uh, Devin, welcome to uh, the hot seat here at OpEx. Rich, thank you, man. I'm looking forward to it. I know this, this is, is like a lifelong dream, right? right? I, I, my <laughs> entire list. career has been pinnacling to this point right here and now. <laughs> it's so, true. so I'm what, happy to be here. Yeah, what do you do after this? <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm going to have to go ahead and think about that for sure when do I that. walk out. That's homework. That's homework. <laughs> now, well, we appreciate Devin coming by. Like I said, he is local here in Raleigh, and uh, he's he's been a big supporter and believer in OpEx. And um you know, he's, he's taken a new role at CNSG, and CNSG has been a longtime partner of ours. We could probably do a two-hour podcast just on the history of OpEx and CNSG, um, but they are, you know, another group that enables us, enables us to really support our clients with uh, the best technologies, the best providers, you know, the best solutions in the market. So, um, you know, we're, we're, we're happy to have them as partners and Devin here, but uh, maybe kicking it off to you first. The new role, right? Uh, yeah. Not only for you, but for CNSG. Yeah. So maybe talk a little bit about the role and how it came about and obviously the importance. Sure. Uh, you know, timing is everything and uh, it's actually quite timely. We found out yesterday, we made an announcement today that uh, some of our programs were recognized by Channel Vision Magazine. And, Are you breaking news? Uh, a little bit. We just got out there on social media with it, but we're, we're really excited. Uh, and I think it's just a testament to... You know, Matt Hardy, Dave Wilson, our leadership team, their willingness to pivot when they see an opportunity and a need, even if that pivot represents a lot of risk and investment. And we're already starting to see those investments pay off. So, you know, I've got a, an enterprise sales background, a lot of complex strategic sales, large Fortune 10 accounts, that type of base, and spent a lot of time in an SD-WAN provider. Uh, and that's how I got my exposure to the indirect channel. And I saw an obvious need around that pivot to obviously we've been very successful the lifeblood of companies like cnsg has been connectivity and telephony clearly very successful in that space but we're only scratching the surface right that's three to five percent of the overall it spend and so we want to find a way where we can add value to our customers but also fight for more strategic deals that command more dollars of the it spend and so that's really my role is to introduce programs that help our partners do exactly that and specifically at scale, right? Where a channel manager, we're focused on that personal touch, mm -hmm. that day-to-day, -day, that FaceTime. My, my challenge really and what excites me about that day-to-day -day is my challenge is to build programs that deliver that same type of impact. Cool. Yeah. Uh, we, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention John Schwartzy. Uh, on this podcast. You think Schwartzy will listen yeah. to this? Oh, absolutely. Uh, he'll take notes. He'll probably critique me. All right. Well, Schwartzy, next time you're in town, you got the open invite to uh, join us here on the pod. But um, so you guys just did your first, um, I don't want to, a training summit. What, what, maybe, and we had three members of our team go yeah. and they all raved about it and said it was really good. But maybe give us a little overview of you know how it went or, or maybe start with why you guys wanted to do it. Yeah, and it's, uh, that's an example of kind of the, the strategy and the pivot that I just talked about, a specific tangible asset uh, along those lines. So that's, uh, Rich is referring to the blueprint that we did, which is an infield seminar. And what we did, referring back to my enterprise background in sales, uh, we took a process that worked very well for generations of sales folks uh, before and after me, and we tweaked it 
for what we think is really needed in the indirect channel. And it's really, it's just a compass uh, of where do I go from here based on where I'm at in a deal, even if I'm not super familiar with the technology I'm selling, which as we all know, we have so many technologies that we have access to, as you alluded to at the beginning of the call, it's sometime really inundating to figure out where do I go based on the customer business outcomes, right? So that's what we're trying to do is create a program that gives people basically a compass on where do I go and where can I get help if I'm stuck? Uh, and so that was, and thank you for you guys for making that investment, sending the folks out. Uh, it was our beta test. We've gotten a lot of really valuable feedback. We're excited to take it on the road. Good. Yeah. Uh, so is that the plan? Take it on the road? That's the plan. Yeah. You know, we, we did it in Charlotte, which is our home base. Mm-hmm. We flew in a lot of our managing partners and our, our, uh, our biggest producers like yourselves. So again, thank you for, for that participation, that partnership. And it was really all about, we, we think we've got a good formula, but we want our most important folks in our ecosystem to give us really valuable feedback on what we could do better. So our hope is now we can take it on the road to a, a Miami, a destination city and say, if you're willing to make the investment, we'll make the likewise investment in you and get our partners out there with us arm in arm. Yeah. Have some fun, but yeah. Uh, I'm sure your team told you it's certainly not a boondoggle. We locked down, we worked hard, yeah. uh, but we had some fun too. We, we don't need more boondoggles. Yeah, no this, doubt. This, every industry's got enough of them. Yeah. But, um, so, you know, you keep saying pivot, and that's obviously a hot topic. It's a buzzword. It's cliche. Yeah. But let, maybe dive, let's dive into that a little bit. Sure. So, you know, I, I, we see it. We're, we're on the front lines of it every day, right? Yeah. Feet on the street. But maybe from y'all's vantage point, yeah. your holistic uh, viewpoint, Maybe dive into what you're seeing pivot wise, and you know why did CNSG do what they did? Yeah, pivoting? that's I I like to tell the story because uh, you know everything is really a sales cycle, right? If you think about it, and when CNSG and I were kind of courting on this potential for us to work together, it's exactly what it was it was a sales cycle. It was I think I've got a solution for you, but I need to prove it that it's worth the dollars and the investment that the ROI will be there. So there was a lot of hard looks in the mirror of, do I think what's needed for this channel? Is that really what's needed, right? And there were a lot of uh, kind of stops and starts where we really determined, are we on the right path? And you know, one of the moments that came to me was I asked Randy for some specific examples, Randy Friedberg, our EVP of sales and marketing, asked him for some specific examples about um, compensation and residuals and what those look like for some of our partners if you take a like-for-like like deal, take a deal that you did 10 years ago, what does that payout look like versus a similar deal today? And the numbers were telling. I mean, you have to work a lot harder, you have to do a lot more quantity to make the same amount if you're not moving yourself off of that base of connectivity and telephony. And it's a shame, again, when there's all these other great technologies available to us in our portfolio that we're not taking advantage of that. The other piece, the kind of collision point of evidence, so that's from our perspective, but what does the market say? There's one uh, Harvard Business Review from 2017. They interviewed about 2,000 business executives from all different parts of the business, all different sizes, markets, industries, et cetera. And they focused a lot on this conundrum of procuring technology and how painful it is today. And ultimately what they found was that If someone can deliver to me a customer, a proactive, that's really important, and prescriptive solution, you will ease my purchasing by 86%. Hmm. Proactive, come to me with ideas before I'm even aware that they exist, and prescriptive, 
Don't throw mud and hope it sticks. Understand my specific needs and align a solution. So clearly there's a collision point there. There's an intersection. And I think we would all be silly if we don't find a way to monetize it. And so that's kind of, that's that pivot that I'm talking about is specifically how we monetize that consultative opportunity against the fact that we have all these technologies that we're really not selling the way that we should be. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I think yeah, this is not a uh, OPEX commercial, but um, I think, you know, we're a living example no of that. And, you know, our CEO, Courtney Humphrey, we've been doing this for 14 years. You know, he, you know, had the, had the guts to want to invest and pivot about five years ago. Um, myself and some other folks have joined. And so, I mean, it's working. It's happening. You know, and it's, it is funny. I mean, we could sit here for hours um, and talk about just how much confusion is in the marketplace. And, you know, I see it. I mean, we're in front of our customers every single day and their clients. And, you know, our value prop is great and it's going up in their eyes because of the amount of confusion, the mm-hmm. amount of disruption. Again, buzzwords, cliche words, but we're full of them. But it's true. It is. It is true. And they need folks who can be, we, we say, you know, be on the front lines. Yes. You know, we're on the front lines every day. And, you know, it's hard because it's a, it's a, it's hard to, you don't want to come across as a know-it-all. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's, and I use the analogy all the time, you know, I'm not a day trader. I don't sit here in my office with CNBC on and, you know, help my clients research and procure technology and then on the side day trade. Right. Because it would be too hard to do. You know, I trust someone who lives and breathes and yes. eats that every single day. Yes. And I have my check-ins with them and I make sure we're hitting our goals, right? Yeah. Um, and that's kind of the analogy sometimes I use for people who struggle with, hey, you know, why are you saying you're better than us yeah. or my IT team doing this? And we're saying we're not so much, it's not about being better. It's about doing this every day. Anytime you do something every day versus buy something once every three to five years, you're going to have more data. You're going to have more knowledge. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's a long way of saying, uh, I mean, we're seeing it. We're seeing it at the front lines. And it's, but it's true. We do get some pushback sometimes. I think a, a lot of times that's because there isn't the necessary credibility and rapport that exists to make that kind of power statement of, yeah. hey, I can be there for you. I can be your trusted advisor. There's a key word there, trusted. You have to earn that. But I think everyone should know without a doubt, whether you're on the customer procurement side, whether you're on the agency side, there's absolutely value. And so a great example, just the other day, we did one of our, our webinars. We focus on industry, as you guys know. Month yeah, we'll month. talk about that. Yeah. Um, but Dave Hopper, our leader of sales engineering, chimed in because he had, we we're talking about retail. He had a call with a Fortune 500 retail group that has two people in procurement that are responsible for procuring literally everything from staples mm-hmm. in the office yeah. to their cloud data centers. Yeah. And... To try and say that these people can stay abreast of technology, what's available, and really do their job thoroughly. I mean, when Dave suggested our value proposition, these folks were just thrilled yeah. to work with us. Yeah. And so it's, it's absolutely needed. And none of us should hesitate or shy away from the conversation because yeah. yeah. we have value. Yeah. No, it's true. It's definitely true. And I will say, I think even two years ago, one year ago, uh, those walls have come down. Yeah. People, people want help. Um, people realize that, hey, if you've got all this data and this knowledge and you're willing to help me, then why would it, well, I'd be crazy not to. Exactly. And, you know, and the folks that don't want the help, they don't want the help and, and you move on. Yep. Um, so, Like everything, there's an adoption curve, right? Yep. And I think we're still in the early adopters, which I think is, uh, you know, like 17 to 34% of yep. the curve or something like that. I think we're still there. 
but the curve will continue like it has time tested and we'll see more and more adoption of this go-to-market, this method of procuring technology, without a doubt. Cool. So uh, maybe pivoting here a little bit, pun intended. <laughs> Yeah, uh, adoption curve. I mean, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about was you, you did come from an SD-WAN provider. Yeah. And, you know, it's hard not to pick up any magazine, you know, read anything, you know, get on anything around our industry right now and not hear about SD-WAN. Um, so you do have some background. And we're seeing it again. I mean, our customers are absolutely asking for it. Now, I think sometimes the industry makes it sound like everyone's just buying everything day one. Sure. And, we, you know, it's more of a crawl, walk, run approach or yep. whatever analogy you want to use. But I don't know, where are we in this SD-WAN curve? Are yeah. we still in that same early adoption period? We are. And, you know, part of it is because uh, I think the SD-WAN vendors uh, shot themselves in a the foot a little bit. Um, they were trying to almost fool the market into thinking that they were further into that adoption curve. So those bleeding edgers were more comfortable about making the jump. And what ultimately instead happened is I think we introduced just a lot of confusion that caused a lot of false starts. Yeah. Um, you know, us personally, I've seen from the CNSG side, I now see a lot more deals than I did at a single vendor. And you know, I've seen a lot of POCs that kind of keep spinning. Um, I, I don't see a lot of attachment to true business outcomes. And that tells me that uh, there's some buzzwords and that's what people are gravitating towards instead of really understanding how SD-WAN delivers the business outcomes. So we're kind of, I think we're taking a step back, but I think it's going to be more of a, let's slow down to speed up, right? We've gotten over that initial hiccup. What we have seen without a doubt is the proliferation of technology from an SD-WAN perspective and platforms is starting to normalize. We're seeing some of the same players, the V's of the world, mm -hmm. right? Uh, some my formal my former employer uh, has a lot of focus in the enterprise and the application space, right? We've got uh, folks who have really gravitated companies that have gravitated towards security. Mm -hmm. So the market is starting to figure out its own identity and where the players fit, and I think customers are benefiting from that. Yeah, I would agree with that. So, and let me ask you this question because this is coming up a lot for us. I mean. There's a ton, ton of, again, buzzword, disruption, yeah. especially with providers. Yeah. Um, we do have clients that they love the technology, they want to go there, but they have a little heartburn that they're dealing with companies who have not been there, done that. Yeah. And it happens with any industry, right? So they have to make a decision of, you know, it's, it's a risk analysis of what's the risk for us not doing this, yeah. but what's the risk for us doing this with a young company mm -hmm. and not that they don't have references and and there's multiple i mean there's you know we it's not one or two it's majority of them yeah um i don't know what are your thoughts on that i mean how maybe from a customer's perspective yeah um you know how risky is it to uh maybe decide to do business with a company that is relatively new yeah i mean there's there's always that startup risk right um i think if for whatever reason, if that is just a truly a fundamental criteria of the deal, then we have to treat it as exactly that. Even if we don't, dis even if we disagree that that's getting in the way of delivering business outcomes, then we have to treat it like a decision criteria. Mm -hmm. And I think in that case, what I've found to be a successful way to navigate that barrier is look at a managed service SD-WAN 
that's on top of a carrier, uh, excuse me, a platform, an SD WAN platform that we're seeing a lot, or maybe that's already been acquired. Right. Uh, a Viptela, yep. a Versa. Yep. That's an easy way to just dissuade. Hey, if that's a legitimate concern, yep. then let's take a look at this technology. Um, but we should also be very upfront with the customer and say that. However, we might be leaving some functionality on the table yeah. because of this decision. So let's make sure we understand the abacus of value there, right? What that means to you from a risk perspective versus functionality. Yeah, and I think you nailed it. The situations we have that are real are, you know, and like any business, right? It's not brain surgery. The CFO, you know, the executive leadership team is much more comfortable with, you know, the, the proven, been there, done that. Yep. But the IT guys, they're doing the demo and they're seeing the ease of use exactly. and the ease of implementation and management and monitoring. And they're like, we have to do this. Yeah. You know, so there's that collision internally exactly. between, hey, we want this disruptive technology, but the higher ups are going, man, I have a hard time approving this. Yeah. Um, so how, how fast do you think that will, you know, change? Is that just... Is that I'm just, already seeing it change. Okay. I really am. Um, you know, there's certain, you know, like the biggest banks in the world, they're, I mean... They're even deploying some of these technologies, uh, somewhat unproven startup SD-WAN technologies. Now, granted, they're doing it in lab environments, but even companies like that have, you guys know, with yeah. your background and your customer base, financials especially have some of the most stringent criteria around financial proof, right? Even companies like the biggest banks in the world are... They see that the value is there, to your point. They're listening to some of their technology advisors and lower levels in the organization who are saying, I get it, but yeah. we need to consider this. So that, to me, is a real indicator of where it's heading. And we're really, I think we're getting over that precipice. Yeah. yeah. So I mentioned SD-WAN. Um, again, you see a lot of different providers. You know, you're doing this vertical industry uh, focus, which I want to talk about. But what, what are the categories, maybe technology-wise or provider-wise, are you most excited about? Yeah, I mean, SD-WAN is a really exciting space because performance, it's interesting, right? Performance is swinging back to the edge mm -hmm. as a criteria, as a mission critical. Uh, business services, you know, we talk about it. We just talked about retail uh, last week. And in retail, we're seeing that instead of differentiating products that are in the store, companies are trying to differentiate the store. So I'm not even making new products, I'm not improving my brand, any, but what I am doing is I'm giving you some sort of experience because experiences are now more valuable, especially with millennials making those buying decisions. And so it's just interesting that you know now things like VR and AR and virtual mirrors and Wi-Fi right, are yeah. must-haves at storefronts and at the edge. And SD-WAN is, Perfect timing, um, because that's what it's built for, yeah. is to make the delivery of those services easier, more agile, more scalable, and that they perform better, yeah. especially when you also include cloud. Yeah. So that's a big one. The other one that I'm seeing, and I'm kind of almost saying it's like our sales and marketing business in a box, is collaboration. Mm -hmm. And you know we're seeing a lot of companies. Uh, Nextiva just had a big release. Ring Central's been doing a lot. Evolve IP. I mean, the list goes on and on about these collaboration and these UCAS companies that realize the need to break down barriers within organizations and they're building their own CRMs or CRM extensions. I'm seeing that need for operational efficiency and customer centricity in every market. Yeah. So I, although they don't initially sound very sexy, UCAS, sexy, 
the reality is, man, it's actually a really exciting time to be in that space as well. Yeah. And again, and we didn't plan this. We, we, we didn't have a pre-production, but (laughs) I mean, you nailed it. It's what we're seeing on the front lines. You know, another one is security for us. Um, You know, we're getting engaged with a lot more security conversations and it's usually happening with, hey, you guys have helped me with some really hard stuff. There's nothing more important than security. You know, can you guys help me with that? And the answer is yes, we can. Um, But, you know, it's it's a whole different ball of wax when it comes to security. Now, luckily, we have Ben on our team. Um, You know, he worked at a, you know, a, a, a bank that, Security and compliance yeah. was top of mind, so we're lucky to have that resource. But I, I guess you know, putting you on the spot, where's security um, with you, how the trusted advisor can help? Yeah. Because you know, you, you just said you had a training going from hey, maybe people have been focused on telephony network, and I'm trying to get them focused maybe on cloud security's, you know, maybe yeah. a whole another uh, you know solution set down down from <clears> that. <throat> so, what's your thoughts on that? It's another space that is ever changing. Um, typically, especially as we get up market, there's an entire separate buying organization related to security that has their own needs, does not care what the rest of the organization thinks at all. That can be very challenging. There's a number of reasons, and frankly, it's a big frustration point for me. Um, when I was leaving uh, BMC Software, uh, we had acquired a company called Blade Logic, which uh, configuration management solution. And towards the end of my time there, uh, they were trying to make a pivot to really position this configuration management and patching tool as a security tool. And that was six years ago. And what I've seen since that pivot is everybody still is focusing on selling fear as it relates to security. And that's my biggest frustration point is um, we're afraid to talk about it. All we hear other people talking about is what happens if you don't do security. So that's, the technology is too confusing, it's ever-changing, and all I hear about is the negatives, so that's what I'm going to focus on. And frankly, our customers are fed up. Yeah. They've had enough. Like, I get it. My life is going to be miserable if I get hacked or if I miss a HIPAA yeah. compliance. Like, I get that. Don't tell me that. Instead, what we should be doing is we should be really excited about the plethora of really successful find- uh, excuse me, security platforms that we have. And say, hey, look, Mr. Customer, instead of beating you over the head with the FUD, let's have a conversation about what's happening and what's available to you. And then you and I can have a separate meeting to discuss whether or not we want to make movement on any of this. No obligation. Let me enable you on what's happening, what's available. You and I together can work on where we prioritize these. And unfortunately, a lot of people are really scared to even introduce that concept because they, they're not the SME on security, yeah. right? Yeah. And that's where as an ecosystem, not just CNSG, but all the masters out there, it's on us. We have to do a better job of really encouraging our, our folks and our ecosystem. Like you have every right to have this discussion. It's about the approach. Yep. And you have a lot of really strong uh, providers behind you. And one of the things that most people don't, and we have a great case study where we just signed a deal today with one of our partners. Uh, the security provider said, bring me into the deal. I will run with it because I know it's not your expertise. Mm-hmm. They completely lived up to that promise. They treated the customer amazingly and we got a great deal out of it. Good. All because we we're willing to open up the conversation. Yeah. So like, let's start there 
and let's get some wins together, yeah. right? So you can hear the frustration in my voice a little bit because yeah. we have so much value to add. There's so much opportunity there. We're just not we're not quite there yet. Yeah. No, I would agree. You know, the cool thing we're seeing from security standpoint is, um, you know, it's been such an on-premise yeah. uh, play for so long. And our customers, I mean, you know, as a service is way overused right now. But it's true. We live in an as-a-service economy and not just in technology. I mean, look at everything that's going on. Yeah. Um, but they are now accepting and asking for the as-a-service model and security and, you know, not just saying, oh, it's because because of its security, it has to be on-premise. We have to own it. Right. Um, so it's going to open up so much more opportunities. Absolutely. So, be curious, you know, be curious even a year from now where we are and how far advanced we, we've all gotten from a security standpoint. Um, I think the biggest thing is we're seeing is the business justification yeah. of that as a service, right? It, it It's like the cloud value prop, right? It removes, you don't need to be an expert. You don't need to maintain it. You don't need to carry that headcount or that CapEx. Mm -hmm. It's the same value prop. You get the business outcomes without a lot of the risk or concern that go yeah. along with it. Yeah. And as you start running business justification for customers on like a SOC as a service yep. versus what it would take for them to get even a modicum of that protection yeah. in-house, yeah. it is an absolute no-brainer. Yeah. Uh, so we just got to get comfortable with that conversation. And I'll give you guys some props. So you introduced us to CyberHat. Yeah. Um, Good company. Great company. And yeah. Not to mention you got on the phone with that leadership group. And, yeah. You know, one's a Navy SEAL. Yeah. Um, you know, one was in the Israeli intelligence office. And it, it's it's impressive to talk to those guys. And, and we do have them engaged. And, you know, I, I thought of them too. And you said it. And I'm glad you did. Was SOC as a service. You know, if a company is looking at building out a SOC, um, I mean, wow, it, it, it's, you better really be prepared to spend some money and then go fight the talent war yep. to try to go get people. Exactly. Um, so talk to me about the vertical. I, I love that you guys are doing that. Um, industry specific, um, you know, you kind of created this. Yeah. So it's your baby. <clears throat> um, I think there's a ton of value in that uh, because it is standardization and simplification. And when you do it for one vertical, you know, it, it is a very me too yeah. uh, movement where, and, and maybe that wasn't the greatest uh, <laughs> phrase, but uh, especially from two gentlemen. <laughs> but uh, but it really is a copycat um, scenario where, you know, you go and say, hey, we worked with this bank. Um, here's what we did. Here was the outcome. Yeah. Uh, they're like, well, yeah, I want to learn about that or I want to do it. Yeah. So anyway, it, talk about it. Talk about what you guys are doing. Well, there's, you know, that, that confluence of events of the need for the consultative approach, uh, the fact we have too many technologies, people are spending too much time procuring technology. Those are all variables that led to this. Um, part of it was also when I was, when I was building the indirect channel uh, at the SD-WAN company, it was, you know, frustrating trying to enable folks because there's 30 other SD-WAN vendors that all have a unique value prop and it's a kind of complex space for a lot of folks that are in the it ecosystem. It is very hard to differentiate. Exactly. And so we're, we're focusing on technology enablement, technology enablement. And what I was, what I was seeing personally is uh, not a lot of ROI. Like a, a lot of that was not really being held onto and used after we walked out. So our thought was, again, going back to our opportunity is to differentiate as business advisors as opposed to focusing on slinging technology mm -hmm. uh, because we can be agnostic, because we can sit there strategically, care about business outcomes mm -hmm. and help our customer figure out what technology needs to be in play. 
that's what we wanted to focus on. So what we did is we did some research and we looked at, you know, by month, first off, what are the big verticals for our, for our ecosystem? Then by month, when are those verticals most receptive to new technology, right? When are they looking at budgets, looking at new tech, things like that? And we basically created a calendar for our ecosystem. So each month it's, let's enable you at a high level on the business acumen of what's happening in that industry. So to your point, you can say, I've worked with banks who are dealing with these common issues. Do any of these ring a bell with you? Would you like to discuss further? You get that rapport, that credibility as a business executive with the business acumen. And then we back into what are some specific suppliers and solutions that help get us to those business outcomes. Um, And we've just found that that approach has resonated. We've gotten a lot more ROI. And again, we, we as master agents, I speak for a lot of us that have made this pivot, not just CNSG. We want to be that force multiplier, Mm -hmm. right? When you don't understand the right technology or the right provider, where do I go from here? That's our value beyond all the other stuff we've always done for you, back office, support, things like that. Yep. Come to us, lean on our expertise when you don't have a Ben like yeah. you guys do yeah. to help align what is that right supplier. Yeah. You focus on that business relationship, yep. on understanding what's happening at the macro level, mm-hmm. and we'll help you get to what the right solution is. Yeah. Uh, so that's our entire focus. And it, we like it because it, a feedback thing. it gives us something new each month to does. focus on. You know? Has the feedback been good? It's been very good. Yeah. It's been very good. Uh, we've we've also added some marketing uh, resources good. this month. So we're we're really doubling down on trying to get the numbers where we really think they should be from an attendance and abuse perspective and stuff. Yeah. But feedback has been excellent. Yeah, and I, I mean I you know, and I love it and this could be a whole nother podcast and you know, you know so because I I asked you guys about it. I want to create a you know microsites yeah. around these verticals. Um you know, one thing that's interesting from our standpoint, we already have the trust and relationship with our clients. And if you go to the, and this was frustrates me about the providers a little bit, and I've talked to some about it, and they, you know, some care, some don't. Um, you go to their website, you know, they're, they're focused on top of the funnel, you know, just trying to drive people down. And we're, we're at the bottom because we have people that have a real need, a real trust relationship. The analogy I always use is, you know, in the Super Bowl, you know, you want to drive 80 yards and start on your own 20 or you want to start on their 20. And our whole goal is to get people to start on 20 yards. You're in the red zone and you're focused on going to the last 20 yards. That's what our clients expect from us. Yeah. Um, we're not getting that all the time from the providers. And I get it. You know, they're, they're different. But I think what you guys are doing in this space is kind of like, all right, you have a bank client. You have a hospitality client. You have a retail client. You're helping start on the 20 yard line yeah and it's all about getting that information into our clients hands because that's what they want yeah. they don't want to have to drive that 80 yards if, if you tell them they can start in the red zone um you know and i think i think it's a good opportunity i also think it's a little bit of a challenge uh, or maybe let me ask you i mean are you finding the providers uh you know have this information or are you really trying to have to pull it out to them there's you know some providers have very specific strengths and they are more than happy to advertise them and give resources around that. Um, so we certainly gravitate where they naturally gravitate to. We don't want to force any issues or you know, put a supplier in a situation where they're not set to win, right? Uh, there are other scenarios where I've really had to pull it out because we're, 
maybe getting past where the suppliers are or the providers are yeah. in terms of initiatives and focus. And I've had to kind of pull them up by the bootstraps with us a little bit. Like, hey, we want you in the wagon with us. So yeah. we yeah. need you to get in, yeah. right? Um, one such example is, you know, I'm, I'm building a big data and IoT practice, a formal practice for CNSG. And, you know, getting um, alignment and resources and focus by and large has been difficult because not a lot of providers are really ready to put a ton of focus into that. Now we get a couple out there like Rackspace mm-hmm. who's just been super receptive. They've got teams and resources already built around that. So, you know what, we're going to go with them until other leaders bring themselves to the top too, yeah. right? So there's been some challenges there for sure. But by and large, we rely on them to advertise where they want to play and just yeah. start from there. And right? think about, and think about it. So we're having that challenge. You're having that challenge. Yeah. We do this every day. Right. Think about our customers. Exactly. Think about our clients. Exactly. Um, that's good. So, uh, you know, we kind of talk kumbaya. Everything's great. Um, I mean, what you've you mentioned one frustration. And not, not to be negative. This isn't a sure. negative question. But, you know, what are some other things you think that, you know, whether the industry or the, the, the you know, us as a whole uh, need to just improve on? Well, what's an opportunity that you think we're just not seizing yet? Yeah, I think to me, the biggest opportunity is to shift our mindset and shift our messaging and and focus on having that consultative business discussion. And I use this example time and time again. Um, we had one of our partners hired a business development resource. You know, he's asking me for some help on some, you know, email uh, pipeline generation campaigns. And they're a connectivity-based partner, and all of the messaging is focused on connectivity. I said, "Look, man, you're gonna get you're gonna get pushed to who you sound like. So if you want to have a connectivity meeting, these emails are great. If you want to have a C-level discussion about the state of their industry and their business, why don't we try some of these?" Uh, he got a bite. I got on the first call because I wanted to see how it was going to go with a law firm, and the lawyer opened up the call because of the messaging in the email with. Oh my God, you guys are so right. Like, I cannot stay abreast on technology. Like, I'm just trying to build my business. I'm a lawyer. What do I know about tech? So, if you can help me figure out some of those initiatives that you talked about, man, I'm all in. Tell me that that isn't an absolute dream of a way to start a net new sales call. Never met with a client before in my life. We would all dream of that. That's a home run. And that's messaging. That's all it is. So, just. The willingness to tweak the messaging, get a little bit outside of our comfort zone. For me, I think it's the greatest opportunity, but also right now, it's the greatest frustration. Yeah, no, I think it's a good point. Um, you know, if if you ask Ben, I think Ben left his job as uh, you know VP of Network and Infrastructure with sixty six thousand emails in his inbox. Yeah, um, and so that's the other thing. And yeah. we, we talk to our clients all the time. Not saying don't do emails, but. I mean, if you're competing with that yeah. and your message yeah. is not on point, right. then, you know, good luck. Exactly. It's going to be a tough road. Exactly. So uh, all right, I'm going to ask a random question. I ask this of a lot of people. Okay. It's, it, because we're all in technology, and yeah. I, I'm always curious. Autonomous driving. Yes. You know, it's coming. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, to me, there's just so many, like, nuances <laughs> and things about it that, I, you know, when I drive down the road, I'm like, are we going to have speeding tickets? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but what happens if half the cars are autonomous and the other half aren't? Yep. Like, you know, can, do we have to adopt it all at once? But then, you know, the question I've asked myself, and now I ask this to everyone on the pod, and people are going to get sick of it, is 
are you an early adopter or are you a wait and see guy? Yeah. Because, you know, it's like the iPhone comes out. You know, you stand in line and like, I could get the latest iPhone. Because no offense, iPhone's not going to kill you. Right. Or, you know, it's not going to have a major disruption in your life. Hopefully it's going to enhance it. But driving yeah. is a whole different ballgame. Yeah. Um, where, where are you on that scale? So I've, I do not own a Tesla, but I've ridden in a few uh, where the folks have shown off the the self-driving. autonomous self-driving and it's it's really cool um my biggest question is like but why like what are you doing with that time and we've seen some horror videos online right where people are like taking a nap yeah and they're getting filmed doing it yeah. just like going yeah. down the highway yeah. that that puts me i think at i'm a wait and see uh because i feel like until all the infrastructure is there i i don't trust myself and if I don't trust myself doing it, I'm not trusting random Joe Schmo, right? Yeah. So I'm a little bit more, if this is going to happen, I think we're at the Jetsons era where nobody except the ultra elite have their own cars. Everything is like an Uber model. Yeah. Google provides your own autonomous car when you need it, drives you to groceries, drops you back off yeah. kind of thing. But yeah. that's so many obstacles to get there, you know, the politics and all that involved. It's, uh, you know, it is an interesting question. I just used to ask it for fun. And now it's amazing how many people like bring up really good points. Uh, Dave McCall from, uh, QTS was on recently and, uh, he was like, you know, we're going to skip self-driving cars and drones are just going to carry people. Yes. You know, I love <laughs> that it. will be the Jetsons. Yeah. Yeah. That definitely be the Jetsons. Um, no, it's good. So you went to NC State, right? You went to NC State. That's uh, right. Proud Wolfpack alum. Nice. Absolutely. Excited so. for football. I know we're not, we're not on football season yet, but it's always about football, basketball. Yeah. I'm I'm very excited for all sports in NC State. Uh, Debbie Yao, our athletic director, uh, obviously has, you know, background, depending, especially if you're from the state of Virginia or Maryland, there's some different issues there. But we're really thrilled with what she's done, keeping us in the hunt for the Athletic Directors Cup, which has never yeah. been in NC State's reach. Uh, but yeah, we're we're excited about Ryan Finley and the guys for the football team, and Coach Keats has done a great job with the basketball program. So we're we're thrilled. We're geared up. Got the season tickets, ready to go. That's Can't all. wait. So you know, um, I went to Elon. Yeah. Did you know Debbie? I went to Elon. I did. All right. I did. Good. Uh, I'm a big Notre Dame fan. Yeah. My my helmet's here on the desk. I get a lot of flack for that. Did you actually stay for the hurricane game? Notre Dame NC State a couple years ago. Were <laughs> I, you there? I, I was not there. Okay. I wanted to be there. I was not there. Were you like but, traveling or are you just, you know, afraid of the rain? No, it's funny. We actually had a, a nice couples weekend in the mountain. Okay. And uh, we were all watching the game, having a good time. We actually were doing push-ups every time a, uh, some points were scored. And as you can imagine, not a lot of push-ups yeah. were done that day. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, uh, so that's fair. You were out of town. You know, I was there. My wife was there. Yeah. We stayed the entire game. Uh, it was interesting, to say the least. But, you know, the people that stayed had a lot of fun. I will, I will admit uh, the weather was in our favor, Ugh. without a doubt. Oh, my God. Uh, you know, we – that worked out played. for us. And the next day, about 11 o'clock, the sun was out. Yeah. 55 degrees. Yeah. Like you mean to tell me you couldn't move this game twenty four hours? Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so so, you were are you from Raleigh? No, I'm from the Philadelphia area. Okay. Yep. Um, but and you came. How'd you find NC State? Uh, went to NC State. Mom moved down here cool. for uh, for a teaching opportunity, and you know I had a I had a cool opportunity to uh, walk on. So I uh, got the invite to share. You walked some on tape football team. Basketball. Oh, basketball. Yeah. So uh, we we came down and. Uh, I just fell in love, fell in love with the school, didn't really play, um, but fell in love with the school, with the area, 
wife and I moved up for, you know, call up to the big leagues, enterprise software sales, yeah. moved up to New York for a while. But we both just knew that when it was time to grow our roots, it was going to be in Raleigh. Yeah. So it, here we it, are. It is a phenomenal place to raise a family. Yeah. There, there's yeah. no doubt about it. A lot of exciting things happening. Some of the safest places in the country to live. Yeah. Great schools. Yeah. You know, Apple. Yeah. I hear that that's a done yeah. deal, although everybody's still philandering about it. I think it's going to happen without a doubt. So, yeah, that'd be, I mean, that'd be big. Huge. Yeah, and it's funny. Miles. So you mentioned Apple. I was going to say something before. We talked about the retail experience. Yeah. Hasn't Apple been doing that forever? They have. And look at their stores. So why, are, right? why is everyone else so slow to adopt? You tell me, man. I mean, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. <laughs> you, you tell me. Let's just me. go copy the most profitable, successful company yeah. in the history of the yeah. world. And that... That would take me on a, as you said, there's a ton of tangent podcasts yeah. we could sit here for hours, but I, that would, you know, leadership, emotional intelligence in the workplace. I think, uh, you know, companies like Apple have done a really good job leveraging those techniques and we're seeing more companies, Red Hat, Virgin, all of those companies are starting to realize there's a lot of opportunity there. But uh, I, I think we'll see a continued trend towards that type of customer centric, high emotional intelligence workplace and storefront and Google, excuse me, Apple will just have to find another way to innovate. Yeah. You know, everybody yeah. will catch up, but they'll innovate again, and they'll get their lead for a couple more years. Yeah, they definitely will. You know, it's the, I'm, you know I'm a I'm a big Apple homer because of the the service and the customer service. And you know, the other thing that's interesting, I'm a you know we, we really here at Altbex are big fans of the Net Promoter Scores. Yeah. Um, and there's a couple of providers, one in particular, um, who literally every employee at the company is uh, you know receives their bonuses based off the company net promoter score. Oh. And, I mean, it's brilliant. That is. And, again, that's not brain surgery. Right. You know, sometimes we talk about overcomplicating things. The other thing I was going to bring up, um, we talked about, you know, some companies being afraid to lean into disruptive technologies because, you know, you haven't been in business 50 years. You know, you're not publicly traded. I can't see every financial. Think about, you know, what Amazon and Facebook did in their early years. They stopped buying servers and created their own. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they even skipped that. Yep. They weren't. They, hey, we're not going to buy disruptive technology. We're just going to create it. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I, I think that's maybe a challenge to anyone listening that is afraid to lean into the wind a little bit. Uh, look at the most successful companies in the world, and um, you know, look, look how it's ended up for them. Absolutely. So, so let's end on this note. Uh, your people first professionals organization. Yeah. Um, I, I was. I knew you're coming in today. I was checking it out. It's a cool organization. You're, you know, you're an entrepreneur at heart. Yeah. Um, so tell us a little about that and kind of what, what what it's all about. Yeah, this I really appreciate the opportunity to talk about it. Always, uh, you know, this is something you know I talk about ad nauseum anytime. So I'll, I'll try and no, go for not it. get too much up on the soapbox. But you know, it's just uh, back to what we were just talking about. There's a great opportunity to do right by other people. And unfortunately, for a long time in business, in the corporate world, um, you know, paychecks and profits have come over people. And what we're starting to see is that there's an undeniable business justification for putting people first. And so our thought was, let's, we've got three pillars, community. So we want to network, build a group of like-minded people who believe that people should be put first because it's the right thing to do and because it makes business sense. So community. The second is enablement. We wanna enable our members on how to bring emotional intelligence into the workplace, how to hire for diversity, how to introduce philanthropy or empathy, those types of things. 
And then finally, our holy grail end state goal is to get to a place where we've developed enough of a community that we can create accreditations where companies are saying, instead of project management professional, we're PFP certified or I'm a people first professional certified. And now you've created a network that when you go to hire an individual, I take a look at his or her LinkedIn profile and they're PFP certified. I know that they align to my culture and that I put people first. That's awesome. And we, we think that, man, if we can make that shift in the workplace, it'll trickle down to our community, to society. And we just think it's a time where stuff like that's really needed. So that's nonprofit, awesome. and we're just trying to make a change. So you're about a year into this, right? Yeah, about a year into this. So we had a really successful holiday fundraising party. Good. Uh, last year, spent some time kind of figuring out our identity coming off of that momentum in Q1. And now we've got some great events planned, uh, a really good strategy in place. We brought on a couple of new folks, just yeah. moved into an office. So yeah. we're excited about the direction and the response has been great. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's couldn't be more proud that in fact you're doing that, especially here in Raleigh. Absolutely. It's a great idea. And it is true. It's about people. You know, we could, we could have a whole podcast on yeah. culture. So I'm going to end on this, um, you know, I put you on the spot. What's a good book, podcast? What, what's something you're consuming right now, um, you know, going along the lines of, you know, building people that maybe is a good recommendation for everyone yeah. to listen? So anybody that ever, I'm a big reader, um, especially business, but more than anything, spirituality, uh, philosophy, you know, deep thinking, things like that. My favorite book of all time, it genuinely changed my life, is called Saint, the Surfer, and the CEO by Robin Schwarma. Uh, it is a life-changing book. I actually uh, suggested it to a few folks at the, the last job I was in, and I got the exact same response. Like, man, I read that book, and it literally I feel the effects in my day-to-day -day life. Awesome. Uh, just about perspective and you know, you put stuff out in the universe, you're going to get stuff back, right? And it depends what you put out there. And I just, I found it to be really powerful. So anybody that, you know, based on the what saint, you're hearing The Saint, the Surfer, and the CEO. The Saint, the Surfer, and the CEO. Uh, it's really great premise, uh, fictional, but about a, a dad that sets up a tour for his son after he passes to go visit a saint, a surfer, and a CEO wow. and to learn life lessons from each of them. It's wow. really powerful. Well, I will download on my uh, Kindle. Yeah. And... Or my iPad, and we got to we got to come back and talk about it. Let's do it. Um, that's I'd love awesome. To. So well, cool. Well, we, you know, we appreciate you coming on. Uh, Forty five minutes goes really fast. Yeah. Uh, we appreciate our partnership partnership with CNSG. You know, you guys have been behind us for a long time, and uh, you know, I feel like we're just getting started, which I is know. fun. I love it, and you guys have been such an amazing partner. Um, frankly, you've kind of beat us, you know, to where the the puck is going, right? <laughs> In terms of our pivot, there's that word again. Uh, you guys, it's already been part of your DNA and your core. So we're just we're thrilled that we're kind of in this arm in arm together, and we both see the opportunity, and we're both going out there to monetize it. We love it. Yeah, well, Couldn't we, thank you enough. No, well, we 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 feel the same way. You know, we're we aim to be sponges. Yeah. No one likes to know it all. Yeah, and we want to be sponges. So you guys allow us to you know keep being that sponge and learn, and we appreciate it. So awesome. Well, cool. Well, uh, we appreciate Devin being on today. Hopefully, you enjoyed this. Um, you can check this out. You know, all the fun places: iTunes, SoundCloud. Uh, check out our website, opextechnologies.com. If you got any comments, you can uh, tweet at us. You'll you'll see CNSG on Twitter. You'll see Opex on Twitter. And uh, seriously, start a conversation and uh, make it about people. I think that's maybe the theme of the day. I love it. So appreciate y'all listening, and uh, we'll talk again soon.